Welcome to the Sober Podcast, part of the Soberverse, created by the team at the Sober Network. The Sober Network has engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com. Welcome to the Sober Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Brickhouse. Our sober celebrity guest today is Don Lesky, who has continuous sobriety since 2016. Don is here to share her experience with maintaining her own sobriety, while some of the people she loves most were stuck in active addiction. And today's topic, we like to do uh, topics on our on our podcast now is how I stayed sober when my family didn't. And I bet a lot of people can relate to that. So thanks for joining us on the Sober Podcast, Dawn. I'm excited to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. Before we jump into our main topic, would you tell our listeners briefly what you do and what brought you to sobriety? What I do for a living? Uh, sure. If you want to share that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I've been in um, I've been in the restaurant business forever. I uh, went to school at Kent State College uh, for hotel restaurant management and then moved down here in, what, 91. I had met my husband down here, and he, of course, wasn't moving from here to go up north. Yeah. So uh, we vacillated back, and we went back and forth, and then I ended up moving down here. And I have been in the same place in Boca Raton for 30 years now. Um, I love it down here. I love it up there, too. I have to say yeah. that is my home, um, where my family all is. And um, I basically, in a nutshell, like I said, had started drinking like, you know, back in my teens. Yeah, um, me too. And just got, I got told one time, if I remember right, when I was 17, and it was a teacher friend of ours that we had all hung out with. And she had been the first person to ever tell me that she thought I might have alcoholic tendencies. Um, got through school, did not finish school, but got through it mostly with um, pretty good grades. But I ended up leaving. Um, I thought I could just start working. You know how we are. 
Yeah. And I don't need a degree. Uh-huh. I can do I this anywhere. I don't need to follow the directions, right? I don't need to. I'm better than all of it. Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> came down here figuring if I was managing a restaurant bar up north. And I, like I said, had come down here, met my husband and thought if I can do it there, I thought instead of New York City, I can do it anywhere. And I moved down here and I have been successful with work. I bought a little coffee house, blah, blah, blah. But I've basically been into management, um, Jewish delis, all that kind of stuff. But um, most of my jobs, and I've had a lot of them, mm-hmm. um, if I didn't leave because I was right, I left because they were right. And um, it was about my drinking. Um, my drug of choice is definitely alcohol. I wasn't a heavy drinker, as in I didn't drink the hardcore liquor. Right. You know, Grigio and Bud Light could set me off just like anyone drinking straight up tequila. Um, always blacked out. Mm-hmm. Um, always made it back to work the next day, but my consequences got just got heavier and heavier. If not, you know, it was the it was all of it. Yeah. You know, jails, institutions, and even at one point, very, very bad car accident. They didn't even find me for seven years later to tell me I did get a DUI on that one. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I bounced back. Um, but once I had kids, um, I don't know how far you want me to go, but once I had kids, um, I think they were about three or four at the time. So 98. Yeah. Um, I had found the program and been sober for, I could put a few days together, a few months together. Right. Get to about the fourth step. And um, I pretty much relapsed, went into rehab for the first time and continued to stay in AA. Um, I like the fellowship. Um, I like to read the big book. Yeah. I I just so didn't. You started in 1998 or you came to the program in 1998 and then yeah. and back and forth. And then when did you go to rehab? Went to rehab in 98, went to okay. rehab a few times. But when I got sober. Mm-hmm. Um, for this last time, I, uh, I had moved up to Ohio yeah. because of situations with my husband and I, and he basically was, you know, had called the police and said, you need to go. And, um, just the craziness of my, like I said, in blackouts, I never saw myself in a blackout. I never videotaped myself in a blackout, but, um, so I went up, came back down and, um, I was heading back up to go into a rehab and it was I knew I was going to go, but the last drink I had had was in the airport in Fort Lauderdale. And, um, you know, you don't remember a lot of drinks, but I remember that one. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at the stewardess as I was getting on the plane. And I said, you know what? I'm not getting on and I'm never going to let my family see me drink again. I had prayed for years just to try to get my life together. And yeah. something finally hit. And um, I came back to my home. Day later, I flew back up. Stayed sober in my apartment that I had up there for a couple weeks, which surprised me. Um, never picked up a drink and yeah. went through went through rehab. Um, I gave up my bed after three months. I was with a lot of um, hardcore. It was a profit, you know, nonprofit organization, which was better for me than the ones that, you know, like your Malibu. I went to ones. the rehab. Yeah. yeah, I went to those too. And <laughs> um, this was, this is where I did the work. Um, I was with 41 other, you know, most, I think almost every single one of them was on here. It was a hair, you know, heroin. Mm-hmm. And at three months, I didn't want to go, you know, I didn't want to transition into going back to work or doing what they, 
kids were involved, you know, as in they were allowed to bring their kids on the weekend. And I said, I'm going to give up my bed. But I did go to my best friend's house that lives up there. And I lived in her basement for the next nine months after that. And I went to meetings and I did the work. I went to retreats. Uh-huh. I did my step work. Um, I jumped all in and I've never looked back and I've never regretted it. And I've never, for some reason, that desire to drink um, had been lifted on that day, which was April 12th of 2016. So, Wow, that's amazing. It sounds like, you know, um, similar to my story and a lot of our stories, because I also tried to get sober, you know, many years and, and, and back and forth and went to rehab and then, and, um, but it was that, you know, finally surrendering to the program and doing absolutely that got me. It was the, it was that, it was the, I just, I couldn't get over the obsession and and, and I could be sober for nine months or a year or a year and a half. And I just, every, you can only think of one thing at one time. So I could be in a meeting and you could be listening, but I'm thinking about a drink. So how much am I getting out of that? How much, how much am I getting out of doing the work in the program? And I, I, once that was lifted, and I said, I don't know why I don't question it, mm-hmm. but it in my days, which we will go over people in my life that have that have used and one right, is still using. I don't I don't go back. I lost my mother this year. I thought I had to put my dog to sleep. I don't go back to thinking, oh, if I could just have a drink. Yeah, this situation is going to get better. I, I just don't. It doesn't come up. When speaking of, I don't think that way, I don't think that way either. And I'm very grateful about that. Um, oh. And throughout your sobriety, you and talking about family, you have had both your son and husband go through their un, own struggles. And how yeah. does it affect your own sobriety? Well, it's, it's funny. My husband had been in a pretty bad car accident. And from my understanding, I was I was still drinking at this time. So it was about nine, nine years ago. I guess mm. he got put on pain pills. And because of our relationship was so distant as it was because of my drinking, he never really told me he was taking um, oxycodones and he drank. He wasn't his, you know, his drug of choice wasn't drinking. And over the years of all he wanted me to do was get sober. And I did. And then over these seven years, I'm like, what's going on? Like, you know, this is what he wanted. We're, we're, we're still distant. He never comes out of his room. He's lost all this weight. What is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he eventually admitted it to me a year. It was, it's been almost a year and a half for him and how I dealt with that. And yeah. when I found out the moment I found out, I'm like, well, thank God it's not something that he has a disease of some kind because he had lost so much weight and I approached it in a different way. With him, um, over the years, I think my husband always, like I said, wanted me to get sober. And after a while, after 20 years or 25 years of us being married, he was like, you know, he never tried to help me. I don't think he understood it. Right. And me understanding this disease, the minute he told me, I said, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And instantly I got a hold of my friend Jonas, I think within the first half hour. And I said, let's get you, let's get you some help you know, let's get you to a hospital first. Let's get you detoxed. And, and he did it. Mm. And it was a struggle because I watched, it was hard getting him there that one day, the first day, getting him to the hospital. Had I not, I would have never been able to get him clean here. Um, I never judged him. Um, I think being in the program 
And then looking at someone that I love, I wasn't like, oh, and you know, I didn't throw, I didn't throw up like, so now you know how it feels. What are you going to do? Maybe Uh you should leave. Maybe you need to go get help. Maybe, maybe I don't want to talk to you until you get. Um, But in the back of my head, you knew how to talk to someone in addiction. Right. I, right. And I had already been introduced, which helped to Al-Anon. So long story short, I got him in. Um, He had to stay in detox a little bit longer than anyone I know of, but he jumped right in. He, he, and he was a big smoker. He never even had a cigarette after he left this house and Mm -hmm. he got clean. Um, 30 days he stayed at a, he stayed at a, it was funny because now listening to him describe rehab, um, I, I, I just listened. I let him talk. I didn't tell him how my program worked. I allowed him to have what I consider his program. He did the work while he was there. Um, I can't honestly say, I know a lot of people that you can look at and say, he's definitely one of us. I do believe that the doctor took advantage of a situation, which a lot of people do Mm -hmm. Um, in these situations, they get hooked on whatever drug they were given to actually get rid of the pain that they had gotten themselves into as in with the accident. He, um, he gained, he's in the house. He's gained 60 pounds. He never (laughs) skipped a beat from work. Uh-huh. He's never used a pill again. Yeah. But does he, does he go to, is he part of the fellowship? Absolutely not. Do I think he didn't do the work that I believe all of us that are addicts and alcoholics need, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not his keeper and I'm sorry, I'm not his sponsor. He did seem to talk to some of the people for a while, but that's how we handled that one. Um. Yeah. Well, listen, we're going very... to take, take a quick break here. Um, okay. It's a great time to stop and say thank to our sponsor, Stephanie Weiss. Uh, she's a certified health and recovery coach based locally in Connecticut and offering virtual services nationwide. If you would like more information, please reach out to info at SoberNetwork.com. That's I-N-F-O at S-O-B-E-R. N-E-T-W-O-R-K dot com. Now back to Dawn and we were discussing um, what do you do when family mem- when you're sober and family members um, around you are are active and, and struggling. And so you told us about your husband. Do you want do you, do you want to talk about your son? Yeah, he is 29 years old and he is probably one of the just I've always called him my butter. I have two children. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, they they went through their uh, you know their adolescence and their teen years, and they ventured out. Mo- both of my kids, you know, with smoking pot and not really drinking, but but then my my one son left the house. He's doing great. He was the one I always thought that might turn out like me, and I always told them, and they watched me get sober. But I always told them, your chances of being successful as alcoholics um, <laughs> or addicts. Um, is probably pretty slim. My son is having a very hard time still. He, I, he took my car, long story short, took my car, got in an accident. Mm -hmm. Um, I had asked him at this point, finally, you know, you have to go. I put him up in the men's rehab that, um, affiliated with the women's rehab that I went to in Ohio. 
and he flourished. He was doing great. He was reading the book. We all we did was talk. It was it was really different from my husband because he was reading the book. He wanted to do the step work. He had a sponsor. He was he was so all into it. And then he had a confrontation, which, again, nonprofit organizations or, you know, you get people from DOC, you get people from all over the place um, that really can't afford to go. And I said, I thought hardcore nonprofit rehab worked for me. So I tried it for him as in sent him there. Yeah. Um, I knew the guy that was running it. Good guy. Um, within, I would say, three weeks, he decided it wasn't for him. Came home. Um, and I have to say, I was I was I felt. I felt that I had failed in some ways. I felt that. What did I do wrong? Should I have kept him here and tried it? And my sponsor, along with Alanon, um, had said to me, you know, their big thing is detaching with love and and trying to understand that it's not about us, but when it's your own. Um, when he came home, I got him a job with me and he was doing fine. And within a couple of weeks, took my debit card, um, gave it to, gave it to a stranger and he was using again. And he's now at, if he uses, if I think he's using, he has to be drug tested. I haven't had to do it, but it's hard, you know. Sounds hard. I have it myself for myself. I don't sit back and, yeah, there are days where I have to say that I go, is it because of me? You know, is it my, was it my genes? Is it because. It could be. The way. still not your fault though, right? If it were your. Right. And I think, well, my dad, I might have had of, he doesn't want to admit it, but he probably was. I know my grandmother on my mom's side. Long story short, it was it was more about what isn't he seeing? Because I have heard him speak to a couple of his friends and he didn't know I was listening or he has talked to people up there. You know what my mom has done um, to get sober after all the years and what she went through. She rode a bike for eight years, but she never quit working. She never took care of us. She kept trying. She mm-hmm. kept relapsing, but she kept trying. And how proud they are that I'm sober and they watch me go through certain things, you know, that again, my mother passing was the hardest thing. And, and I said, they didn't, he came up there too. My son flew up and he was using drinking though. And not that there's, you know, but he was drinking up there and I'm just like, I can't, I can't seem to get through to him. Now, you know, we all hope. I wish I would have gotten sober at 28. You know, I I wish I would have listened to the first person that told me. I use, you know, basically I use my program. I I use my sponsor. Um, I use the fellowship definitely. Yeah. When it comes to crucial times with him, Um, kicking him out. Is there anything you would have done differently with him? Growing up? No. Well, well, I think since you since you knew he had a problem and you started helping him. Yeah, I still enabled the enabling part because of and I know now because I'm doing the work with my fourth step again, along with, you know, daily. I still see myself. I'm enabling him to try to help him. Get the fact that he is not only is he an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. but that there is a way out, but that you've got to try it, you know, and I enable, I give him, I help him, I help him get him a car. I help, I don't do, 
I don't draw that line in the sand and I need to. And when the, the better I'm getting at it, the more successful I see that he's being. I don't think he's actually using anything, but yeah. the behavior's all there. The minute something starts to aggravate him, I see him going like, this is my life. This is my life. It's, you know, and then you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, do I ask him to come to meetings with me? He did when he first got home. And I introduced him to some people, not women, you know, just go out there, do what you got to do. Right. Um, it is difficult, though, I have to say. And, you know, I drew the line when I got home too. no alcohol and no drugs in my house. And I've only seen it once. And he was in the backyard and it was pot. Not mm. that that's to now, me. I think it's drugs. Did you, draw, did you draw that line when you came home sober? Is it is that? Yeah. OK, so it was for you. so you drew that line for you to not. I drew that line for me. Yes, mm -hmm. but I also sobriety, when, when I mean, they did use yeah. when my did my son did bring alcohol in the house a few times. I'm like, I can't have it. Yeah. It's not I'm not afraid of what I'm going to do. It's out of respect. Right. I mean, right. it's like anything <laughs> else. If you had sugar diabetes, should I keep stick cookies in front of you every yeah, five minutes exactly. and think that you're not going to eat them? You know, um, I'm you should be by the time you're spiritually fit that you can go anywhere. Um like I said, my first year, I did exactly what I was told to do. And I never did that before. And there is a difference. Um, right. I pray for my what? son every day. I pray for him. Um, do I think he'll eventually get it? I do. Um, he's a lot like me. Mm -hmm. And I think if he sets his mind to it, I think he's afraid of missing something. At 51, <laughs> I, I was done. You know, yeah. I got it in. So. Right. Listen, our last question um, that we ask all of our guests these days, what is the best lesson you learned in sobriety and how did it help you? That would basically not to take everything so seriously, but that mm -hmm. I'm I'm not to blame and I'm also not in charge. Um I can't take things so I, I used to be so defensive and right. everything was, whoa, 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 wait a minute, but I'm doing this, but I'm better here. And I'm, you know, but I have to humble myself and I have humility. Um, I'm a very grateful person. Um, sometimes see, I get choked up that I, my mom saw me get sober uh -huh. and it was, it was the, what she wanted the most. Um, Cause I, I was a good person when I wasn't drinking, but what I learned from that is that it is something to be proud of and I am a good person and I'm not to blame. And if I just do the work and I just wake up and don't take that first drink, my day is going to be more successful than my days, than my yesterdays. And I know I have a lot of work to do, but I know I'm not where I was. Wow. That's a perfect way to end. And those are great lessons. And I've learned them too. So thank yeah. you. Ellen for um for joining us today how can our listeners get in touch with you if they if they want to or if that's okay with you absolutely um i'm on facebook um it is by you can go from don lesky the l-i-e-s-k-e it says uh -huh. barathano on my last name okay uh, it's my maiden name but they'll see a little puppy on there and that's me all right and if they look it up and look for ohio they'll find me like that way great and to all our listeners, thank you for your continued support. Visit us on 
www.soberpodcast.com and all places that you find major podcasts. Leave us a review. Sign up for our mailing list. I'm your host, Jamie Brickhouse, and you can find me on TikTok at Jamie underscore Brickhouse, where I tell a true story every day wearing high heels. And (laughs) I am also on Facebook and Instagram, Jamie Brickhouse, and jamiebrickhouse.com is my website. I'm the author of Dangerous When Wet, a memoir of booze, sex, and my mother. Signing out from the Sober Podcast, tune in for another show next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sober Podcast. We hope that you have found this episode helpful and look forward to you joining us next time. As we continue to grow and implement positive change, we hope that you'll share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. They can find us on all the major podcast directories. If you have an idea for the show, want to leave positive feedback, ideas, or comments, connect with us on thesoberpodcast.com. You can also reach us on our social media platform on The Soberverse. We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all those who make this show happen. Jamie Brickhouse, our host, Carrie, our producer, Carl Fessenden, our voice, and our sponsor, The Sober Network. Sober.